celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome. Today on Tall Poppy Talk, we have Ben Bell. He has accomplished so many things and worn many hats. Today, we'll attempt to touch upon some of those, in particular, his position as the mayor of Gore, a beautiful town in New Zealand, South Island. But most importantly, I'm excited to talk to Ben, a fellow 24-year-old who has a job, just like me, that has propelled him into the media spotlight. And for our US listeners, I got to clarify, it's not normal for a 24-year-old to sit as a national politician in New Zealand or anywhere. Ben became the youngest mayor elected last November 2022 at just 23 years old and not without some classic tall poppy commentary, which he tackles head on. And it was starting way earlier. He was just 12 years old when he invented a GPS-enabled wristband designed to you know, trace patients within hospitals. And in 2016, that took him to Stanford University's Medicine X conference, where he's presenting in California. And this invention earned him the Youth Wellingtonian of the Year Award in 2016. So Ben is an entrepreneur, an active politician, New Zealand's youngest mayor, a business founder, and somehow he found out the time to save and spend a gap year in Canada as a ski instructor. So, crikey, let's just get into it. Ben, welcome. Where and how are you today? Uh, thank you for having me, Grace. I'm good. Uh, I am in the beautiful uh, Gore District, uh, and it's quite sunny outside, which it's it always is here, actually. It's always very, very sunny here. Is that a little bit of a slogan or is that true? Is it? Oh, you know, it's it's a bit of a sell, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I say it's so much of a slogan, but. I know we touched upon it before, but what is today looking like for you? Like, is it crazy busy? Is it, I was going to say chill, but I'm sure it never is. What's a, what's a typical day look like for you? Uh, ebbs and flows. It's it's usually pretty busy. I, I think in this role you have to really pick and choose how busy your day is because, I mean, my day could be full from 7am to 7pm every day um, very easily. But uh, today um, I was actually a little bit late jumping on the podcast uh, because dealing with a media emergency, um, we have these lovely things called uh, Lagoima requests, so local government Official Information and Meetings Act, um, where basically media can request any email, text, phone call, uh, conversation, whatever they like, um, that we have to provide. So <clears throat> uh, one of those is just we get lots of them with the with the immediate attention that we've had. Um, but one of them's gone out and we've got a reporter sniffing around. So it's just calming everyone down and making sure that, you know, um, we don't have anyone going rogue or or anything like that, um, which is all it's all fine. It's just it's something we've sadly gotten used to. Um, but I was down at the medical hub this morning, which was awesome. Uh, so it's an old meatworks building that's going to be turned into a medical facility. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then yeah, writing emails and letters and things like that, all exciting oh, stuff. Yeah, and like you said, the Laguardia, what's Liguima. that word? <laughs> Thank you. I'm, that's the second word. By the way, guys, I've had to clarify with Ben how you say mayor. I wanted to say mayor. <laughs> Amongst all of it, eh, like just to have those things thrown in, and I know you said this is your first podcast, I'm really grateful. I just want to take a moment to appreciate that, that you're 
really the yarn with me because we'll get into it a little later about you know tall poppy and all of that because you like I said you're doing a job just like I'm doing a job but you get a heck of a lot more attention and um, one of the something I listened to or read about gore in general was like have you ever paid this much attention to the Gore's like political situation? <laughs> no, so you're putting it on the map more than it already is. And um, yes, yeah, yeah just it. just so keen to hear all about it. But first, I want to step back and ask how you would define yourself if we're to take out the word mayor or politician. Who has been outside of that realm? Uh, an alcoholic? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, it would define me outside of the role. I guess it's boring and as cliche as it sounds. I'm just a normal person. Um, and I, I know the irony with all the, the accolades that you listed off, but it's really true. Uh, I'm, I'm relatively normal. I like think I am um, definitely confident, um, but also try and be humble as well as, as us Kiwis always are. So, yeah. Just a just a normal Southland boy, or now Southland, I guess. Yeah. So where were you before Southland? So before Southland, I was in Palmerston North, so up in the yeah. North Island. Um, but I'm an Otaki boy through and through. So about an hour out of Wellington. Yeah. Oh, so love- every time I go to Wellington, it feels like home again, second home, which is nice. Yeah. I'm quite- yeah, because the the Wellingtonian ward back in what 2016 that was. Mm-hmm. So when did you make the move to Gore? uh we're going on two and a half i always said 18 months during the campaign so i'm trying i try and do 18 months plus however long i've been in office so um 18 plus 9 whatever that is um yeah so yeah just just over two years yeah yeah okay so you say you're an ordinary ordinary lad i raised my eyebrow at it but that's quite all right Uh, now you also spent was it a year in canada uh, two. It was on and off. So I, I did a year, I think it really poor. Uh, and then, yeah, and then came back, earned a bit of money, uh, and then, yeah, went back for a second go at it. Oh, wow. So how did that impact and shape your identity? And I asked that from this angle of I'm in Jersey, New Jersey, the USA, and it's impacted my identity in a couple of ways, I would say. So I'm curious, what was the Canadian experience like for you how do you think that shaped you oh it was awesome I, I always regarded it as kind of because I didn't go to university so it's kind of my uni experience without having to actually have done any of the study um yeah. so really kind of pushed right into that having to be an adult you know going overseas at 18 and then kind of being absorbed like it's, it's more than just moving into a hall it's moving into a whole different country with you know uh, I live with a lot of um British people, Canadians, Australians, people from all over the world, which was fantastic um, and really dove in deep. I guess the funny story there is um, I was working at I was working at Countdown before I decided I'm going to be a ski instructor and saw an ad on Facebook to be a ski instructor. Um, but little did I know you actually have to know how to ski <laughs> to be a ski instructor. So Surprise. I got there not knowing how to ski. Everyone else knew how to ski. Um, so it was four horrible days of learning how to ski um and then the instructor said you're gonna have to pay uh i think it was about 400 bucks a day for private lessons and so i just joined the rest of the group and i was fine the rest is history really (laughs) wow so you see a facebook ad 
and then you hit over there on and off for the two years. Okay. And you didn't know how to ski, but are you a good skier now or just slightly better than who you were teaching? Yeah, after well, <laughs> after two seasons, I'm an, I'm an okay skier. I'm not, I'm not amazing, but um, yeah, hopefully better than those I'm teaching. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so even like we go back to when you're 18 and you're leaving high school, was that a like how did you get to that decision of oh I'm not going to go to uni because I would look at someone in your position now and think oh that might have been a conversation at the end of high school of what's next what was your thought process there I couldn't really decide on what I wanted to do um so I got to the end of high school to be fair I kind of checked out of high school when I made this decision about halfway through um year 13 uh and I just, I didn't know what to do next. So I just thought I'll, I'll give it a year and, and see how I get on. Um, and then didn't really focus on getting university entrance because I knew I wasn't going to go. So ironically, that led to other things of doing accelerators and things like that, TED Talks, et cetera. All that, that was quite a big year for me. But but yeah, made that decision early that I didn't, didn't want to do that. And then when I left high school, uh, Countdown offered me a, a supervisor role. So I picked it up and worked full time. And yeah, did that for a year, realized I hated it did something different yep learning what you don't like is extremely valuable even more so sometimes in knowing what you do like it's great to know what you do like to do but I spent two years at a unis in New Zealand loved it but then came to the states to row and go to college over here and like there's things that you did probably when you were at Countdown that help you in your random day-to-day now Maybe if it's even just to know the experience of how someone else is working or to know some supply chain, like things you do in the past will come back and benefit you. Maybe not in five years, maybe in 10, who knows? But I do really think that everything can be valuable, even if you don't recognize it at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I think all experience is valuable. Um, whatever way and you're completely right some of the experiences that I've had at, had at Countdown have definitely assisted me in this role of you know people who have been in their jobs a very long time you know you understand how to work with them and um, the experience that they bring so and that's something I picked up at Countdown of there have been people who've been there for a very long time and they had the expertise and the same ways of doing things. <laughs> so that gets me into the crux of what I why I do what I do, right, is tall poppy syndrome. So first question, could you describe tall poppy syndrome from your own words? There's no right or wrong answer. Just how would you describe it? Yeah, tall poppy syndrome, I guess, is is pulling people back down to their level. Um, so, I mean, in New Zealand, when you, I feel like in New Zealand, when you see someone doing something successful, because it's such a small country, you kind of look at them and go, oh, I could do that. And so that kind of degrades the, you know, pulling people back in line with with everyone else of, oh, I could do that. So it's not such a big deal. Um, and they probably could, but it's we should be celebrating that and go, oh, yep, I could do that. But I'm so glad that you're doing it and, and celebrating that. Um, I guess it's also, as I touched on before, I think New Zealanders are so humble too. So it's kind of keeping, we, we, I, I find it hard to boast. I, I find it, you know, you reading through the accolades, I always find that really weird and uncomfortable. Um, but I'm sure in other cultures and, and probably in America, they're a lot more comfortable to saying, this is what I've done and this is how it is. Um, whereas in New Zealand, you kind of, I don't know, you shy away from actually talking about all the good stuff that you've done because you don't want to seem 
out there or different or yeah does that yeah. answer your question does that yeah, it does and the reason I like wait is because sometimes I find people keep talking when there's a silence most people feel that need to fill it so at the end of yeah. that question I always just I'm like oh you want to add anything else because <laughs> I'm I'm comfortable with the silence so you know your media tricks <laughs> <laughs> yes this is true but obviously you know you do your readings I listen to what I listen to I feel like you definitely got the brunt of the negative side of tall poppy when you took the role especially last year of just yeah it's like there's this young gun 23 year old coming in and you can go as surface or serious into it as you want and I know you're in your own position so you might not want to say certain things but on a personal level when you feel the negative of tall poppy which is the people trying to cut you down how does that impact you it's pretty hard um I mean I guess in, in my role I'm, I'm uniquely lucky because while there's all the negatives there's equally the positives as well um so while I've had a lot of hard stuff happen there has been a, a huge amount of support from the community across the country and even internationally is saying you know keep your head up keep moving forward etc cetera, etc cetera. so there is the positives but there is a lot of the negatives as well of uh, you know especially a lot closer to home it's it's a lot more I mean when you have to work with me on a day-to-day -day basis it's hard seeing someone who's young kind of doing a role that either you may feel like you can do or or can do better or yeah it's um so so that's tough that's tough to deal with um but ultimately from the outside looking in if you if you don't have to deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis then it's you know people are very very quick to be like that's awesome that's great you know um how do we support it so it's it's kind of balanced but I guess the the main thing is I've I think I've learned a lot more about myself in this role than anything else when I when I came into the role I thought well you know I'm going to be learning a lot about politics and how to how to manage people and you know all the inner workings of, of local government and, and politics in general but it's probably been more not to be all zen about it, but more, more self-exploratory um, and and really learning how how you deal with stress and how you deal with confrontation and um, being able to to deal with the tough times. Yeah, and go zen, go spiritual, go wherever you want to go with it. That's totally your thing. And I think like going back to the beginning when you say, you know, journos are requesting your emails and your texts. Like I recently, I've been in my role for about a year I'm in marketing outside of the podcast I have to have a real job as well <laughs> um, and it's like far out when things get stressful for me I can just you know not talk to anyone but for you there's not that luxury you're straight back into it and uh, Alex Stewart he's I had him on the podcast um, a few months ago now but Wombat Net he launched it, he's the founder, CEO, like doing all these crazy things. And talking to him about his experience with Tall Poppy, also being a very young person in the field period and in, in business, almost a sense of like finding it hard to relate to some of the other people in the industry because yeah. they've got decades in it. And he's like, you know, I'm trying to network with people and I have nothing to talk to them about. So in your day-to-day when you're not talking like policy or this and that, is that like a little bit uh, 
tricky or do you just find there's not a lot of downtime i think i think one of the things that stood out the most when i was at mayor's school was a comment that was made of uh, the job of a, of a mayor is, is one of the loneliest jobs in politics um and i always found that such a weird phrase of you know you're, you're surrounded by councillors and you're commuting things like that but it's it's somewhat true um while i've had fantastic support from other mayors across the country and other elected members um it's hard to it's hard to put it like exactly what you're going through you know you lean on other mayors to go through have you been to this before and they go yeah sure and kind of give their experience but it's not the same you've still got to live it you've still got to make your own decisions so I can see how some people find that, you know, the, the loneliness inside of that. Um, you don't have the same experience of, of counsellors where you can all, you know, that camaraderie. And while you're still a team together, you're still kind of slightly separate. That makes sense. Um, but I, I totally get that. Uh, it, it is it is hard to it is hard to be social with, with people in a much higher age bracket. Um, but at the same time, there's there's plenty of elected members coming up through the ranks. So I've just been at conference in Christchurch for the last week and had a couple of late nights with other elected members who are who have you know first time in council who I can relate with and, and talk about a bit more. And with my mural colleagues, you know, we can talk about that kind of higher level stuff. So while it's difficult, it's not the same as going out with my actual mates, it's still kind of the same as going out with work colleagues. I don't know, I have a warped view because I, I've done it my entire life, you know, from the age of 13, 14, going to start at weekends and things like that and talking to, you know, even uni students at that stage was, they were so much older than me. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm kind of used to it. Yeah, that's like asking, you know, someone who's left-handed, like, oh, what's that like? That's all they've known. They don't know what it's like yeah, to write with yeah, their right yeah. hand. Like, what are you telling me? Um, yeah, because- I'd find it know, weirder probably working with people my age. I wouldn't know how to act, I don't think. So- Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like, from the invention and then going over to California and presenting, like you've constantly been doing things that are like, you know, quote unquote, a level up, whether that's age or just like, you know, when I was 12, I was trying to get into like the premier teams or something in middle school. I was like trying to go to inter-schools. Like, I was doing that too. I was doing that too. <laughs> You're doing that. And then on the side doing these other things. Is yeah. there like a role model in your life personally or even like in politics that made you think I am going to go for mere like when did that idea plant and grow not really to be honest I, I don't really have sounds a bit cocky <laughs> I don't really have anyone in particular that I specifically look up to um the the idea of Mia came came simply from um myself and uh four other well, sorry three other um people who were running um we all wanted to run for council we wanted to be involved in the community um but we all sat around and went four councils is great but if we really want to make some change probably one of us needs to go for Mia um so that's where I I put my hat in the ring and ran a ran a very high campaign and and here we are. So um, community took a chance on me and hopefully it's paying off. Um, but yeah, so not not really any particular inspiration. I guess I live I live by a motto of, of take every opportunity possible. So when an opportunity arises, just go for it. Um, because if it, you know, doesn't work out, the worst they can say is no. So you you pivot. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You just go for it and then you pivot. 
I like that because I think in my mind I'm like, oh, did he have, you know, a step by step plan from when he was young? But that's cool. It's just like the opportunity was there. And something too, when you say like, yeah, it can be lonely, like well, you didn't say that, someone else had said it can be a lonely position. Um something like the impact you're having, not just in Gore, in New Zealand and internationally, it really has shined a huge spotlight on not just politics and local politics but also the ongoing conversation about like generations and I think it's really fascinating intergenerational workplaces because you might have like a supervisor who's used to five days a week in the office their whole life that's what they are used to and then I've only ever worked in a remote hybrid environment. So for me, going into the office three days a week, well, I had no any different because for us, it's been like this. So I'm like, oh, I find that so fascinating. And then you get the people in the middle who maybe can appreciate both. And I'm like, wow, if I magnify or like if I stretch that out to a poli- like a political environment, especially local governance where people have probably been in positions for a a significant time a substantial amount of time it's a kind of expanding that conversation of the value of intergenerational input within certain groups and why you need that especially if you're representing your local like you are the local government you should represent more of what the local population looks like but there's definitely points of friction between that like there's really yeah. great things like reverse mentoring and all those things but yeah there's, there's different ways of being yeah I mean it, it's it's interesting right it's that diversity that you've, you should really have in a council and it's probably not it's getting there in New Zealand but it's not quite there yet of, of having a really diverse set of councils so you've got you know men and women you've got um, Māori and and um, Pākehā you've got um, old and young you know getting that mix is, is really hard um, and there's going to be tension between all of those groups at certain points in time it's just that the the youth conversation is about experience versus non-experience but it's hard to quantify experience when you look at uh, we run a run a program as mayors called Tuia. It's a Tuia program. So we take on a um, a young Maori student um, between the ages of uh, I think it's sixteen and twenty four. Um, and they kind of learn about what a mayor does, and they go to Wainangas, and they get to meet you know other Tuia from around the country. And the biggest piece of feedback that you hear across the board is that the mayors end up learning more from the tuia than the tuia learn from the mayors, which is a really interesting juxtaposition. Um, so when you're talking about experience, it's experience in what and, and how do you quantify that? Because um, if you've got experience from, you know, the the 90s, that might be not be applicable to, to now. Yeah, the climate has changed. I think that's awesome that, like, the learnings, you expect it to be, the mere going this way but of course it's going to be the other way and I think that's a wider conversation in general for representation right like you need diversity in terms of like accessibility and I don't want to say economic nor social accessibility it's it's can't be that specified but like the voices being represented to make sure that you can get into communities and I can imagine a size of four maybe you can be more intimately connected with what the like population's thinking is that do you think so with uh, like 
it's still a huge area, but a smaller one than say Auckland mayors got more voices to try to deal with. Do you feel like you can actually get in touch with the day-to-day person? Yeah, it's one of the downsides to being a, a mayor of a small district is that everyone feels like they know you personally, so they can come into the office at any time and have these things, which I love. But but it's something that that the Auckland mayor or, or Christchurch mayor, you know, wouldn't wouldn't have to. Um, I don't want to say deal with because it's not like that, but um, they wouldn't have to do because people don't expect that same level of um, personality with the emir. Whereas here, because we're only 13,000 people, they expect to be able to go down to the reception desk and go, I want to talk to the mayor and get an appointment for the next day. Whereas in Auckland, you're dreaming if you, <laughs> if you, want, if you want that to happen. So um, well, it's it's hard to fit people into my schedule. It's more of, you know, people expect that. Um, they expect that their individual voice will be heard rather than they need 10,000 people to be heard. Yeah. Um, which is cool. It, it, that's localism for you at the end of the day. Uh, and we should have more of it. Um, it just makes my job more uh, <laughs> tricky. <laughs> or I take I take example of, we've just had the, the Hukunui Fashion Awards here, um, which was the first fashion awards in New Zealand back in the day. Um, and we, there was an award that was being presented by me and they didn't have the award ready. So they called my name, but I didn't show up. And then everyone knew about it, spread around town. It's now in the local paper and things like that. But that's this, that's level of, level of localism that people are like, you know, they they need to know where I am and why I wasn't there and things like that. Whereas if, a, if another mayor didn't show up, it, it probably wouldn't be as much of a big deal. Yeah, do you get, and you don't have to get into this ex- that's my disclaimer for anything I say that you don't want to dive into. Um, but is that something you get frustrated with or you don't? Like you have had um, a disproportionate amount of attention, I think, than the average mere, even the Auckland mere. Um, like, is that something that you feel like, oh, like, come on, guys, I'm just trying to do this. Do you get any frustration sometimes with that media attention? For sure, at the height of things. I mean, I think I feel more bad for staff who have to deal with the the Lagoimas that I was talking about before. You know, it's a huge amount of when they when they're asking for oh, every email between me and the chief executive for the last three months. You know, that's that's a lot to go through, and there's a lot to redact. You know, to to be able to keep some things, you know, things that need to be kept confidential, confidential. But a lot of it can be released, and it's just it's just a lot of information that has to be sifted through. Um, so I feel bad in that regard, um, you know, the constant phone calls and things about things that I clearly can't talk about. Um, but at the same time, I'm in a public role. So the the community has a right to know. They have a right to know, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it. They put us here. They pay for us to be here. Um, so it's it's a fine balance. Media can be your best mate or, or your worst enemy. It just depends on time of the day, really. <laughs> yeah, true that. and. Media, like journalism in general, that's something that really like personally interests me. I think, oh, cool. But clearly I'm doing a podcast by myself because I said um, I'm getting involved at my own pace in my own way and getting to have these one-on-one conversations. And before we got into it, like I said to you, I want everyone who comes on here to feel confident and comfortable with it. So mm. uh, if someone says they don't want something said, which like doesn't really ever happen. It's more me messing something up. Cool, it's gone. Um, yeah. But you're not, and that's all about integrity. Like I, people just trust that 
I, I won't put it out there and I don't, but that's something when you scale up. So for you, you're scaling up you're, when you're mere and then also with journalism, like journos are trying to do their job too. Um, they're trying to get what the pieces that they want. It's just like, oh, it's, that's a, it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting conversation that I had with, um, one of our main reporters down here that's that's done a lot of the a lot of the news on me that's eventually blown up and it was a it was a conversation i think that started this year because the the thing with media especially in my role and their role as you as you alluded to was they're doing their job i'm doing mine so we may go to war when we're on the record but then it's actually decompressing when we're off the record and going look like i i called the reporter um and and said look i, I don't I don't have anything personal against you for the stuff you're putting out there. I recognize that you're doing your job. How you do your job, I may have an opinion on, but that doesn't affect, you know, our personal relationship. And and that was, you know, really took it to heart. And there's 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 like I said, there's benefits to media and there's there's negatives. Um, it's just all about how you deal with it, really. Yeah, we're both trying to do our job. We're both gonna be in this space. Let's see each other as, as humans and make sure yeah. we get the best stuff out there. Yeah, uh, and I had a very similar phone call with a reporter, and this was the height of everything, who called me while I was in a meeting and then called my office, gave us two hours to respond, and then put out an article that the mayor's gone AWOL, he's unreachable, you know, he's gone off the rails, basically. And it shot to number one in, in New Zealand. And so I had to call him and go, you got to take that down. You, like, you gave me two hours to respond. I was in a three-hour-long meeting. How on earth was I meant to get back to you? And... You know, because they're like, oh, but they didn't know what what your diary was. It's like, yeah, because you called the wrong person. You called the comms manager. If you called my assistant, you would have known where I was. You, you know, we would have seen that I was in a meeting. So, yeah, and and to be fair, she took it down, and there was an apology up and things like that. But it's, I think, I think reporters as well can get a little bit carried away with, as as I'm sure politicians can, of the fame and the the glory and things like that. And we just got to get that next story, that next. But sometimes you have to slow down and, and make sure what you're reporting is quality um, rather than quantity. Yeah, and like um, once something's said, it goes and takes a world of its own. And most people will be like, I don't remember, I didn't read it, but that's what the headline said, you know, and, yeah. then, and then they grasp onto that. And um, when you say when at the height of it all, and again, you don't have to answer this, what do you mean the height of it all? What was that situation? Yeah, so it was over the, probably the biggest one was over the, the March period. So there was the the leak of the extraordinary meeting, um, which was around the, the chief executive voicing his, his issues to the council. Um, so that got leaked to media, uh, which got us all caught off guard. Um, so that's when there was an absolute frenzy and and people trying to get information and kind of us kind of going to ground but not fully going to ground. Um, yeah, and and me speaking out and the chief executive speaking out, which you should never do. You know, you want to want to behave and and make everything seem like it's it's going well and it is going well now to be fair. But at that time, you know, media was looking for for any story they possibly can. Um, the big thing was around uh, councils asking for my resignation. That was that was the biggest story um, that that came out of that. Uh, and then TVNZ Sunday did a piece as well, um, which kind of did a deep dive into our council and um, yeah, his, historic issues that had been going on. So all of that bundled up into the same time. It it was it was pretty hectic. Yeah, and then you're through it. I know you're here, and we're in 
gosh, August already. You got a couple months and then you're a year into the role already. When you started yeah. to now, like expectations versus reality and like the cool ways and also like, is it anything like how you imagined it was going to be? It's funny. I get, I get asked that question all the time and I always answer it's a bit of both. Like I always knew that I, what I was getting myself into, you know, I knew that there was going to be a big period of change. That's what I campaigned on. Um, I knew that it was going to be a very intensive role. Um, I knew that, you know, the learning curve was definitely there, um, that I'd have to bring the community along with me. I guess what, when that comes into to practice and to reality, it's, it's completely different, right? Um, you know, I knew that it was going to be a 24-7 role, but the reality of that is completely different uh you know people being able to call me at all, all times of the day um sometimes i'm in this office from 6 30 in the morning till eight o'clock at night you know from just going through meetings so um your weekends are always filled with events uh that's pretty hard to adjust to um and you've i think i think the biggest realization for me was again coming back to that self-reflection is you you've got to carve out time for yourself and i think that's in any any business or startup um where you're kind of dictating the flow of things you'll you'll be the same right uh, you've got to dedicate time for yourself to make sure you know that at this point in time i'm not working like i need to take a break and and, and refresh like i was saying before i could work seven days a week no issue every week um so i've got to say no to something which is hard it's hard when the whole community you know wants you to to do things here and there and you want to do them but um you've got to look after yourself at the end of the day Oh, 100%. And I can relate in the capacity I can relate is even with the podcast, like on Sunday, our outreach to a guest I'm really excited for will come in a few weeks of Eric Murray, who's, I, I was a rower. And even if you're not a rower, he's an Olympic two-time champ, yeah. all these things. And he's like, yeah, I've got some availability this week. And I'm like, oh, I've already got been on Wednesday and this one a hundred percent like this needs to trump whatever else is happening so you start to yeah. rearrange and that's just me one person running the show I don't need to run it past anyone so I'm like yeah. oh, empathy for you or sympathy more because I can't really empathize I'm not in, I haven't been in that <laughs> position of like well you have to make sure if something changes and pivots coordinating with all these people and so yeah you think of that downtime i have to ask like do you watch a netflix show like what is downtime? yeah 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 for sure yeah I, I definitely get time to to sit down and relax um and it's hugely important um in between reading council papers and um all the many things that i have to read uh but yeah i mean definitely get time to, to sit down and relax remember normal person normal person i like to <laughs> yes. continue <with> that ethos <laughs> yeah normal person who it, it is a 24 seven though, isn't it? Um, wow. It's, it's just crazy. Cause if you think a couple years ago, a few years ago, you didn't know you're going to be here, but then you look forward and you're like, who knows where you're going to be in three, four, five years next. Either do you have any direction or is that more, you just take the opportunities as they come? Take take them as they come. I mean, uh, this is probably the the longest I've been locked into something. You know, I've got got three years here, so I'll definitely make the make the most of that. Um, I mean, it's interesting looking back at at COVID. Um, you know, like my 
if if I if COVID hadn't happened, I, I may have been in, been in Australia with with my ex girlfriend. Like it, the, the my whole trajectory may have changed, may not have been in in politics. So, um, yeah, it's 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 I I don't like to plan out that far. I get asked all the time, "Are you going to do a second term? Are you going to go into central government? Are you going to do something else?" No idea. Um, if if my term continues like it has been. I don't know if I'll be signing up for a second one, but um, hopefully the next two years will be will be a bit smoother. Yes, I hope the same for you too, right? Um, okay, then I need to know. We've talked about the importance of downtime. We've talked about that as twenty four seven. Do you have any tips or strategies of how you stay on top of it from the mental, especially the mental health and well being kind of perspective of it? How do you how do you manage it all yeah it's a really good question i mean i think it's each their own um as as annoying as that answer probably <laughs> is um i know i know what my um de-stresses are if you if you want to call them that um you know simple things like going to the gym going for a walk mountain biking etc great way just to start to calm down it's making sure you make time for those things another piece of advice that amir gave me very early on is is don't sacrifice the gym, you know. So if if you've got to if you've got to get up earlier on some days or rearrange your calendar or what you know go at lunchtime, whatever it is, make sure you carve out that time for yourself so you can go and exercise and, and do that. Um, as for other things, it, it's relying on your support networks as well. You know, your family, your friends, talking to them as much as you can, um, talking to them about uh, about work and not about work as well is is key. Uh, and then you've got, if you really want to get extreme, you can do, I shouldn't say get extreme, but for, for me, it's it's if I'm really stressed, I'll do, you know, meditation and, and journaling and things like that. All of those, those usual kind of um, psychological hacks that you can do. Um, but it's, it's mainly just, for me anyway, it's being aware of when I'm getting like that and then realizing I've got to make a change or do something different um, to get, get out of that, that spiral. Uh, to get quite personal, it's it's been a really interesting time over the last, uh, now that all of this stuff's kind of over, because I was living at such a high stress level um, that now I'm kind of readjusting to normal. Uh, as I as I like to call it, I've, I've gone from being a coordinator of chaos back to just being a mayor so <laughs> it's it's quite it's quite difficult to to realign and figure out what a normal stress level looks like and not you know i just when i see a reporter ring or whatever i start to to get anxious and things like that whereas you know it can be it can be really mundane things like the fashion awards it's uh, simple stuff that i can answer yeah but from not i kind of is like that ptsd and i know sometimes we think of ptsd as like it needs to be violence but it is a little bit of that stress is triggered if you see a journalist uh, calling or something because it does take you back to that time of chaos and hopefully the further you get from that, um, not just time-wise, but also, you know, other events happen, you can, yeah, you can just distance yourself and those emotions and they'll move along, which I, I hope for you very, very much. And on that with, and I, I, thank you for sharing that like yeah that was a definitely a stressful time and now I can go back again quotation marks to just being the mere normal level of stress um I feel like too 
when such a change occurs, like it's almost um, I don't know how to say it. It's like the chaos was gonna come, and you almost you just got it out of the way. Like the whole at some point when there's been a system like how it was for a decent amount of time, you need to rock the boat and you just happen to be the one in the boat at the time. Um, but I really do feel like everyone is better for it moving forward. It was just for those involved, which was you, tough time. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's a fantastic point. I think that's really well put. It's something that we've done a lot of reflecting on as elected members of how do we get ourselves in this situation. And probably the hardest hitting thing for me was that me just being elected and coming in was enough change for everyone. If if anything, it was a little bit too much even then. And then I came in and kicked down the doors and wanted a new retreat and new committee structure and things like that. And that just, you know, tipped everyone over the edge and everyone out the boat, um, which just just comes from, you know, coming in on a mandate of change when actually, if I'd taken a step back and gone, huh, actually me winning and coming in is going to be enough change probably for the first year before we all figure out how to work with me and move forward. Um Whereas I, like you said, sped up all the rest of the change. Um, and and hopefully we're better for it now. We've got that out of the way. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, you get it out of the way. I like to think of it like that. And I think if you'd done it in a year, sure, yeah, you would have handled that. But you're you. And the reason you got elected and got into the position is because you're going to bring your approach to things so I mean I know I would probably struggle to get into a new environment and and not bring in some of my pizzazz into it like <laughs> you gotta bring yourself into it um oh well okay we I want to what else do I want to get to while I've still got you because you've <laughs> I know you've got many things going um okay is there this is an open-ended one but is there anything like we haven't discussed yet that or I haven't asked that you feel like you'd like to say or you think would be valuable to share well that's a very open-ended question yeah I know uh, um I mean I guess we could talk and we could get into stuff like um you know young people in politics I think it's a big thing for people to not get discouraged based on my experience. Um, there's plenty of people with very successful stories. Sure, everyone has their own own struggles. We, I'm part of the Young Elected Members Committee, um, which is made up of eight individuals across the country. Uh, and we work with, so it's anyone under 40 who's, who's in, in local government. And we have what we call therapy sessions where we kind of talk about our different experiences that are, that are fully confidential, but people kind of have the same experiences. Um, mine's just been, been very public um, and definitely significantly more extreme. But it's just that new age of young people coming in, and I don't think they should be discouraged by it. I think it's taking that opportunity and running with it um, if that's your thing. And if it's not, it's not your thing. Thank you. And that's why it's an open-ended because I wouldn't have been able to ask a question to get you to say that, but <laughs> that's something that was on your mind. I think that that's really important to point out as well, because one, you are again, knock on wood on the other side. And there's been already so much positivity, even if maybe not for the, your experience of it, but for someone like me, I'm looking, I'm like, shit, that's wicked. Like 
what's been doing down south? I'm from Cambridge, Waikato. So oh, cool. what's going on? I was on? born in Hamilton, so there you go. Same, technically. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I was born, born in the Tron. Um, when did you move out of the Tron? Oh, very, very young. I must have been one or two. Yeah, yeah. moved to Wellington. Yeah, most people leave. No, just joking. Um, as as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we love Hamilton. Yeah, and you're like, oh, cool, man. What's going on down there? Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's exciting that those are things that are happening. So although, yeah, it might feel a little bit discouraging for some people, if that's all it takes to discourage you, then it's probably not the career you want to get into. Yeah. Because yeah. I, like, I think with anything if you're not prepared to have some rejection and that's totally fine if you're not if there's like mm. rejection or if there's difficulty if that's something that is a wall like that's a hard wall and you don't want to go through it all right don't be discouraged like don't beat yourself up about it just recognize like oh I don't really want to go down that path because I'm sure like in politics like as is anything you're going to receive some commentary and there's going to be some of that like tall popping or just self-doubt or whatever it is. Um, and if that's enough to decide you don't want to do it, it's quite all right, but there'll be plenty who do want to do it. For sure. And it, another another piece of advice that, it, that Amir gave to me very early on was, and this is around decision-making, especially when I was going through kind of a lot of those more difficult um, or being criticized for some of the decisions that I was making is that, you know, if you follow two things, which is one is, is it illegal? And two, um, is it uh, immoral to, to your values? If it's none of those two things, then you're fine. So, and, and that's that's something to, to you know, to follow, especially in this role of, if you believe in it and it's and there's nothing wrong with it, then go for it. It's, it's, it's what you believe in. Yeah, there's um a, another person I spoke to, Lani Fogelberg. She talked about the head, the heart and the gut check. On something mm. and I was like how do you know if something's your gut because I can get the logical one like oh yeah mm. you know looking at the situation and your heart you know that one still confused me but the gut and she said it's like if you made uh, a pros and cons list and the cons is stacked there's like 25 mm. and there's only two pros but you still want to go for it that's your gut I was like ah oh. like when you flip a coin and then it lands on heads and you're like, oh, and you feel like oh, I wanted it to be tails. So in terms of decision-making, obviously that's for maybe more personal things, not for when you're making policy or more impacting decisions on the community. But I like that. Anything to do with decision-making or self-reflection, the more we can share with each other how we do it, it's going to mm. resonate with someone. I think that leading of change, you really have to believe in your gut as well, because that that pros and cons list is always going to be cons. You know, any any sort of kind of sweeping change or or anything that I even even us getting back into the media scene because we kept a low profile for the last couple of months, but but me getting into the media scene has come with a lot of don't do that or, or reservations for for holding back. But my gut tells me it's time to start getting out there and and telling the community what's been going on. And you know, we're public servants, so we we have to we have to let our community know what what they have voted for and what they're investing in. Um, but that's a that's a gut decision. If I'd gone to the pros and cons and looked at it, I could have gone, well, we could probably play it safe for another couple of months and then and then go for it. But yeah, 
it's I, I don't know what's telling me but I'm assuming it's my gut <laughs> yes yeah no 100% I love that it's your gut and again I feel extremely tough that I get to be the one who long form conversations are wicked too because you don't take the sound bites people if they're committed to listening they're going to hear all the things you've got to say and it, it's brilliant now I have one sign off question for you I ask this every time for people if you it's so like so just not serious at all but um <laughs> if you had to have just one meal for the rest of your life breakfast lunch and dinner it's not a death row like meal it's just you have to have one meal for the rest of your life what is it going to be wow that's a great question thank you this is where I start overthinking it and go what has the most nutritional value what has the most balanced proteins carbs and fats um can I ask with McDonald's because it's convenient? Yeah. Is that a lame answer? <laughs> no, you can't. Because then I've got the whole menu, you see? Well, see, that's what I'm saying. You have to narrow. I'm going to need you to narrow oh. down a little bit because th that would be way too vague. It's going to go Big Mac combo, but then you can't. How do you break it down for breakfast? Uh, lunch and dinner is fine, but. Maybe you just have. The thing is, you're going to lose out somewhere. So, so the Big Mac combo, I think that's good. The, is there's a McDonald's in Gore, right? Sure is. Yeah, there's right across Mac the road. How right long has it been so. there? That's a great question. No idea. Yeah, like you don't remember because the one in Cambridge, it was controversial when Mac has arrived. I think it was 2014, 2015. Um, I remember the tail end of high school, and people would did not. They're like. It's not going to be good for us. We love it. Everyone loves Maccas. It kills the town. Kills the town. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good on you. No, I like that. I think it's a mighty fine response. And we're bang on the hour. So I just want to say, Ben, thank you so much. It was, It's like such a pleasure just to talk to you and hear about everything from your experience. How's it going? And I hope this is a conversation we can keep going absolutely yeah no thanks thanks for having me this has been fun it's it's nice talking to someone my age <laughs> makes the conversation flow a lot better <laughs> thank you so much for listening to tall poppy talk we'll see you next time feel free to check us out on socials youtube and the website thanks for today's guest and we'll see you all next time take care be kind